0: If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness! No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The reading of God's Word.
1: Good morning. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, the message today is about anxiety, overcoming anxiety. Uh, Stephen, when he read in verse 25, it's, it starts with "therefore," or some of your versions says, "for this reason," do not be anxious. Uh, maybe you got a card uh, or you have seen posters with maybe birds or flowers, and it says, "therefore, do not be anxious." Whenever there is the word therefore, you know there is something before that you have to pay attention to. And um, so that's what we are going to do, even though we are talking about overcoming anxiety. Uh, we are going to talk, see in what context Jesus is saying those words. As Stephen read those words, at the outset, it looks like Jesus is giving some um, wisdom sayings, are like, you know, what you see in the Proverbs, some good stuff to say about treasures, vision, masters, and then about anxiety. But as we are doing this series on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, you realize Jesus from chapter 5 and as he goes to chapter 7, he's moving away from the outside, from the behaviors, from what you do, into deeper parts, into our hearts. That's what Sermon on the Mount is all about. Here Jesus, he's the soul doctor. He's the heart surgeon. He goes deeper into our hearts to teach us about ourselves and our hearts. Jesus is a brilliant teacher. Uh, He's brilliant because he is The wisdom of God. Uh, John chapter 1 says, and even in many places, it says he is the wisdom of God. It's through him that everything in this world holds together. He created everything. So here is Jesus crafting a a very smart message um, about us and our hearts. Um, Somehow what he's saying is our anxiety... Is rooted about the choices we make about our treasures, our vision, and our masters. I should give credit to Daryl Johnson. Derwin took a course at Regent uh, uh, with Daryl uh, Johnson, and a lot of it is, he, comes from his teaching, so I wanna give him credit. So before we go any further, I wanna pray uh, so that the soul doctor would teach us about us. Father, we invite you to come here this morning. Father, we open our hearts to you, ourselves to you. Lord, would you teach us what we need to hear about our hearts and who we are and who you are. Father, Give us years to hear what the Spirit is saying and give us the courage to do what you want us to do, Father. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Jesus Jesus is giving us three laws here. Uh, When I say laws, I don't mean what to do and what not to do, but laws in the sense inherent laws like gravity. Like you could go and stand up on top of this building and say I don't believe in gravity and you could decide to jump hoping that you're going to fly. And you won't be flying because the law of gravity is at work. So this is that kind of law. The law that is inherent about our hearts. So um, and then he's going to give us this cause and effect of this law in our hearts and there are decisions we have to make about these laws so let's start the first law is every human being is an investor or a treasurer every human being is an investor or a treasurer Jesus says do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Fear where your treasure is, that you, there your heart will be also. Consciously or subconsciously, we all want to invest in something secure against the uncertainty of tomorrow. We are all treasurers. Listen to the words Jesus used. In in literal translation, this is what it says. Do not treasure, treasure for yourselves on earth, but treasure, treasure for yourselves in heaven. Treasure, treasure for yourselves is present in both both things Jesus is saying. Because inherently, we are made that way. We are made to treasure, treasure for ourselves. It depends on what you're going to treasure your treasures in. Jesus has a similar conversation in Luke chapter 12, uh, verses 13 to 34. Very similar conversation, very parallel conversation. But there, Jesus gives a story. This time, there's a a farmer. He farms, and the crops, this time he gets not double, triple, quite a bit. And so he looks at the crops and he goes, what am I going to do? There's no room for me to store all this stuff. So he has a conversation with himself. And he says, what should I do? I'm going to break up all the barns and I'm going to build bigger barns to store all that I've got. And Jesus calls him a fool who stores up earthly wealth but not rich towards heaven. God calls him a fool because that day he was going to die. Now if you have lots of money and let's say I'm a stock broker (coughs) and you come to me and say, you know, I've done research and I want to put all my money into this company. And, And I know as a stock guy, this company you are investing is going down the tank. Now, would you be wise or would you be foolish to invest in something that is going down? I would call you foolish. And this is what Jesus is saying. The earthly treasures as stocks are going down. But if you put your money on that, you're going to go broke. Because you know why? Jesus knows we are investors. We want to invest in things against the uncertainty of tomorrow. So what kind of treasures should we put our treasures in? So that's the first law. We are all treasurers. The outcome or the effect of the law one on our hearts is our hearts follow our investments. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whenever the Bible talks about the heart, it's not talking about the pumping, blood pumping organ. It's talking about the control center of our will and our emotions. That's what heart is. The control center of our will and our emotion. Now notice the order. Your heart will go where your investments are. I wish it was the other way around. I really do wish. I wish my investments will follow where my heart is. But Jesus is saying that's not the case. He's saying where your treasures are, your hearts are going to follow there. Jesus, the soul doctor, is reminding us that our hearts will follow our investments. So the decision because of this law, is what will you invest in? Treasures in heaven or treasures of the earth. When it says of the earth, it means things of this world and uh, that things that do not center around God and his purposes. Things of heaven are things that are of God and of his purposes on this earth. Seems like durability and resilience is the key. You know why? Earth is profoundly insecure. You look at 9-11, 2008 financial crisis. You look at the earthquakes, the mudslides, the tsunamis. Uh, If you are watching your RRSPs and the mutual funds, all indicate how fragile things of this earth are. Jesus is very realistic. He's saying things of this earth are subject to corrosion. He talks about moth destroying. Moth is is nature's corrosion eating away. Floods, earthquakes, um, crows eating your lawn, those types of things. Uh, Rust is time's corrosion eating away. If you have a, a, a car, the first day you buy it, And you drive it off the lot, just as you drive it off the lot, it depreciates $3,000, just minimum. If you have uh, uh, electronic equipment, the minute you buy it and open the box, it goes down in value. Your TVs, thieves, uh, uh, humanity's corrosion eating away, scandals, greed. Terrorism. Jesus, the soul doctor, is reminding us as investors, only the things of God can withstand floods, earthquake, financial crisis, scandals, divorce, death, dishonesty, terrorism. So he's saying, invest wisely. Why? Because our hearts follow our investments. If you invest in something insecure, your heart is going to be insecure. Second law is every human being operates out of a vision of reality or a worldview or a frame of reference. Everyone looks at life through certain lenses. Whether you can um, articulate it or not, everyone has a frame of reference uh, we look at life we act react from this deeply held view of life you know you might have a view of thing about money and you might say oh yeah it's just about money but it impacts everything about you we have we all have a vision of reality whether we could put it to words or not now the outcome or the effect of this law number 2 is that our vision of reality affects the whole of our lives. So the view of life you have about money, you might think it's oh it's only about my work and money or the, the investments I make. No. It impacts your marriage, your family life, your friendships, the way you treat people. It impacts everything. Verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body if your eyes are healthy your whole body will be full of light but if your eyes are unhealthy your whole body will be full of darkness if then the light within you is darkness how great is the darkness although what we fix our eyes on impact our physical being I think Jesus is speaking metaphorically frequently in the Bible I is equivalent to the heart To fix your eyes or to set our hearts is used synonymously in the Bible. John Stott points out that I in the biblical text usually mean to be the heart. Nowadays we say eyes of our heart. We sing that song, open the eyes of our heart. Um, So if your eye is single and sound, your whole body will be single and sound. What we fix our eyes on, our hearts on, the control center of our being determines everything about us. So there's the decision we have to make. What will we set our hearts on? What will we focus our hearts on? What will occupy the attention of our hearts? It says what we become, what we fix our vision on. We can focus on the light of the world and we will be full of light. We can focus on the world and what it has to offer and we will be full of darkness. Have you noticed uh, when you are in the dark a sound that you hear? During the day if you hear that it doesn't mean anything to you. But when you are in the dark you hear that. Immediately you are feeling very insecure. Who's that? What's that? You feel very insecure when you are in the dark. Law number
0: three
1: Uh, is every human being serves some sort of God. Here the soul doctor, the surgeon, the heart surgeon says, we are made to serve God. The law of the human heart is to serve someone. Uh, Some people say we are incurably religious. Birds fly, fish swim, humans we serve. We serve someone, even if that someone is yourself or something. So the outcome of this law in our hearts is that we can serve only one God at a time. You cannot serve two masters. Listen to Jesus' words. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Notice what Jesus says there. He does not say you should not serve two masters, or you must not serve two masters, but he says you cannot serve two masters. It's impossible. Interesting um, that Jesus uses the word masters. He does not use the word employers. You know, at Jesus' time, people did have employers, employees. People went to work during the day and came back home. And there were slaves and masters in that time too. But Jesus uses the word masters. Single ownership, And full-time work was the, the two key factors in slave and master relationship. When God brought the Israelites out of Egypt after their 400 years of slavery, this is what God says to them. I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and you shall have no other gods before me. Then he goes on to say you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. Uh, The other word Jesus uses is mammon. Now many of your versions might just say money, but money is not the only form of mammon. Uh, The word uh, mammon comes from the root word amon, A-M-O-N. Amon means that in which we trust, that in which we trust. Anything or anyone other than the living God we put our trust in, our hope in, our security in against the insecurity of the future is mammon. Most mammons are in and of themselves good, Otherwise, you would never give your heart to them. We are pretty smart people. Jesus knows that. You know, some of the are uh, uh, could be our reputation, your RRSP pension funds, your finances, your career, your job, your self-image, uh, your fitness, your uh, education, your bank account your hobbies your sports Jesus is not saying the mammon is good or bad but what he's saying is that we cannot serve God and mammon some of the most powerful powerful idols of our time are not made out of gold and stone they are values they are ideologies they are goals they are systems. How do you recognize these mammon's in your life? I'm going to give you four questions you could ask yourself. Um, the first one is What is it that gives me hope? If you want to recognize some of the mammon's in your life, ask yourself What is it that gives me hope? As I look to the future, As I look to the well being of my family, what is it that gives me hope? The second question is what is my greatest delight or my greatest joy? Anything other than God could be a potential mammon. The third question is what do I fear? Fear is a good clue. Anytime you're fearful, ponder and see where it leads to. Primitive cultures, their gods were based on their fears. Uh, You know, in the uh, primitive cultures, children are very, very important for your farming to carry on your families. That's why they had gods of fertility. Uh, floods and famine were a major cause of fear and they needed to appease their fear. So they had gods of flood, gods of uh, uh, f- a famine. Follow the fear in your life. Trace it to the roots and you would find the source and maybe the mammon you serve. Do you fear rejection? Your potential idol could be affirmation. It's funny uh, um, those of you who know dervin and me um we we, uh, uh, we speak truth into each other, we speak life uh, sometimes we, we say we are like iron sharpening iron the uh, sparks fly and uh, uh <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, uh, last week uh, or the week before, I I knew I I needed to say something, um, but there was a part of me that was fearful. And I I sat and I go, what am I fearful? Why am I fearing? I didn't like the fact that I was going to upset the apple cart. I didn't like the fact there could be rejection. You know, what I was saying or what I was presenting. Always, when there is fear, ponder and ask the the soul doctor to come and say, Lord, what is it? Our marriages are meant to bring life into each other. Meant to prune each other sometimes, you know, because uh, that's where God works. God is always in the uh, works of shaping us. And um, do you fear criticism? You'd lie in the, uh, lie to save face, like Derwin talked about a couple of weeks ago, uh, image management. Maybe your mammon could be reputation. The last question is, where do I resist God's word?
0: <clears throat> uh,
1: it could mean somewhere in, it is threatening an idol in your life. Last week, Devin talked about finances and tithing. And maybe some of you, even when you saw the title, inside you, you cringed. It could mean money is a mammon in your life. Uh, If you don't like teaching on the poor or about the sufferings of Christ, maybe comfort could be an idol in your life. I I think comfort is one of the greatest idols, especially in Canada. We would do anything for comfort. We would go anywhere, uh, give up anything to keep our comfort. So the decision is, Whom do I serve? Do I serve the living God or mammon? Do we use God to serve our mammons or do we use the mammons to serve our living God? So here is Jesus talking about treasures, vision, and masters. Uh, I think uh, there's a reason why Jesus is talking about them in that order is because the decision we make about treasures comes out of the vision of reality we live in. And the vision of reality emerges from the relationship to the God whom we choose to serve. Our hearts are pretty smart. It intuitively knows when we are tied to an insecure treasure or we are worshipping an idol that is ready to topple uh, or if our vision is clouded by the ideologies or the system of this world then we are in a state of nervous restlessness when we are tied to those things, when our hearts are tied to those things there is this nervous restlessness in us and that is called anxiety But if we are tied to the treasures of the heaven and our focus is on the eternal God who holds everything together and our vision is full of the living God and we are banking on his character, his faithfulness, his goodness, his love, his kingdom, his kindness, his righteousness, then we are in a state of rest. Are you in a place of rest? Are you in a place of nervous restlessness? Now don't get me wrong. Jesus is not saying if you do this, there's going to be no trouble. If you look at verse 34, the last verse he says is, so, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for the day. So Jesus is saying, you ha- you're going to have trouble. Enough trouble for today. If you uh, go with the assumption, if you're going to serve Jesus and you're not going to have trouble, you are in trouble. Because you're going to be completely disillusioned and you're going to ask, why is God forsaken me? That You're going to ask that question all the time. Even in John 14, just before Jesus leaves, he says, In this world, you will have trouble. He didn't want you to misunderstand that. And I know I get anxious. Now, don't think, okay, angel has it together, has figured it out. If you have that, you are in illusion. I I have anxiousness. I, I worry. When I am anxious, I do. I go through these three things in my head. And I ask myself, is my treasure is my vision is my master out of whack usually it is that's why I am in a state of panic and I try to put them in order but usually my greedy heart is entangled with the treasures of this world I'm trying to serve God and mammon and my vision is clouded by the ideologies of this world and usually when I'm in that place I invite the soul doctor to come I ask him to come and disentangle my heart from these things you know Jesus he came to set us free not just one time to save us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light he came to set us free every day. He need to, we he we need a savior. And he wants to set us free from the clutches of anxiety. He really does. He is here this morning and he wants to set you free. And through the power of the Holy Spirit He comes and he disentangles my heart. And then I see the light and I go, Oh God, this is the way I'm meant to live. Verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. It's a command there, Jesus says, therefore do not be anxious. Lots of theologians say, uh, this is the world's trinity, what to eat, what to drink, and your body what to wear. If you don't believe that, all you have to go, do is go into the social media and look at the conversations that's going on. It's mostly about what to eat, what to drink, and our body what to wear. If you are not into social media, turn on the TV. The ads come on, 90% of it is all about what to eat, what to drink, how to maintain your body and what to wear especially I think those of us who live in the West Coast this is a great temptation is body Uh, you know we were named the capital of yoga pants we live in yoga pants Uh, we go to work in yoga pants in West Coast and with that comes the potential mammon of body and what to wear, and how to keep our body image. Keep that in mind, always in your mind, uh, about what are the mammons that are trying to get in between you and God. So here's Jesus saying, when you're in this place of anxiety or this nervous restlessness, Jesus offers two thoughts. The first one is, shift your focus. Look away from what is causing the the anxiety and look at creation. In verse 26 and 28, Jesus says, Look at the birds and look at the lilies of the field. The word look there is to mean start looking, start studying. When you look at the birds and and the flowers, he's saying, It will give you a more accurate view of your life. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, I live in a stressful world and I run around, I barely have enough time to live and you want me to go and look at birds and flowers? And maybe you're thinking, have you looked at the news, Angel? The oil prices are going down and... We being the West Coasters, our economy is tied to the oil in Calgary and our economy is slumping a bit. Jobs are at stake and uh, economy is slumping and interest rates are going down and my RRSP's are going down and you want me to look at flowers and birds, Jesus? Yes, Angel. Look at the flowers and the birds. Maybe you are thinking, you don't know what I'm going through with my children. My children have walked away from the faith or they are making not very wise decisions at this point in time. Yes, Jesus would say, look at the flowers and the birds. He says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Jesus is not asking us to not plan or not prepare. Have you looked at the birds? I was even looking at them this morning as I got up early. They are Very busy creatures. They are very industrious. They are pecking or they are flying or they are building nests. They are just busy, busy, busy creatures. Sowing, reaping, and storing in the barns were the business of Jesus' day. Maybe if Jesus was here right now, he would say, have you seen the birds? They don't have deadlines. They don't manage people. They don't have performance reviews. They don't have stressful meetings. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. That's what Jesus would say to us. If you look at the birds and how small they are, I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus asked us to look at them. They know they are held by someone bigger than them. I think Jesus is trying to say our busyness, our meetings, our running around, our worrying, our trying to control things doesn't make the world go round and round. Lilies of the field. Um, this picture was taken when we were in um, uh, Yellowstone National Park where we tented. Um, this It gives kind of a large view. But if you went near them, the picture the flowers were purple and fuchsia and pink and blue and yellow. It was just beautiful. Jesus is saying, Look how the flowers of the field grow. They do not toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you or you of little faith? Jesus is not asking us to not to toil and spin. Because toiling and spinning was how they made the clothes in those days. If Jesus was here today, I wonder whether he would have said, uh, Look at the lilies. They don't run around in the crazy traffic or do they do laundry like crazy or manage and try to control everything. Look at them, he would say. I think when we look at the flowers, we realize our toiling, our spinning, our running around does not make the world go round and round. There is someone bigger who holds things together. You know, after 9 11, um, for seven days, Wall Street was closed. And we think if Wall Street is closed, the economy is going to collapse. But it didn't, it continues on. I think what Jesus is asking us to do is when you look at the birds and the flowers, I don't know, did you notice? He talks about the Father in heaven in both of those verses. Jesus is calling us to look at the birds and the flowers and see through them your Father in heaven. He wants us to see our heavenly Father, the one who is on the throne, the one who holds everything together. The one who is close at hand, the one who sees the pain that nobody else sees, the one who provides for you, the one who is closer than a brother, the one who created you, the one who conceived you with the beauty and the gifts and the talents that you have. The one who says, I am the great I am. The one who says, nothing is impossible with me. The one who says, I am the faithful one. The one who says, I emptied myself to rescue you. The one who is your perfect, perfect father who loves you deeply. John Calvin says, the birds and the flowers preach to us, they are saying, where is your faith? Do you not know your father in heaven? Every time now when you see the birds or the flowers, I want you to think of those words. Do you not know your father in heaven? One theologian says, every worry is a vote of no confidence in God. Every worry is a vote of no confidence in God. Sorry, Lord, you can't handle this issue, whether it's my children or whether it's my finances, so I'm going to fret and I'm going to worry and I'm going to run around like crazy. So to this, Jesus says, shift your focus. The next thing he says is to channel your energy. Now that you look at the birds and the flowers, and as they are preaching to you that you have a Father in heaven who will provide for you, who knows all your needs, knowing that, now you can be not so anxious. I don't know whether you find this. I find when I'm anxious, it saps the life out of me. Like mentally, emotionally, relationally, and physically. When I'm anxious, it just saps the energy out. So now, with all the energy you got, Jesus is saying, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now the word seek... Uh, that verb is keep on seeking. Uh, In some uh, places in the Bible, that word is is translated into into persecute. So it's aggressively seek. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, seek first does not mean, you know, first seek God and then you go and carry on seeking your other things that you want to seek. The seek first means... Uh, it's an all-encompassing seeking, all-consuming seeking. That's what Jesus is asking us to do. Seek first with the all-consuming seeking. And he's saying, when we seek God first and his kingdom and his righteousness, he says, we are going to, by default, we are going to lay up treasures in heaven not on earth. Your vision is going to be clear and it's going to be focused. You are going to be serving the living God. Then you are not going to be in this perpetual nervous restlessness. And then he says, all these things will be added to you. All the things that you are anxious about. What to eat, what to drink, about your body, what to wear, your image. All these things are going to find its right place. You don't have to strive for it. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and uh, they are going to uh, uh, sing this uh, song. As, as they sing, I'm going to ask you uh, to stand... And, and open your hearts to God. Because in Psalm 139, 23, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. As they sing that song, Open your heart to God because only He can do what He needs to do and reveal things to you about your heart. Only He can do that. So um, I'm going to pray and then uh, I'm going to ask you to stand and then uh, you can sing with the song or just let God minister to your heart about your anxious thoughts. Would you like to stand? Father, I thank you, Lord, that uh, you are intimately acquainted with all our ways. Father, you know our fears. Father, how they come and ambush us. Father, you know our anxious thoughts So we invite you into our hearts today. And we ask, Lord, that you would come. Jesus, you are our soul doctor. Would you come and would you set us free from the clutches of worries and anxiety, Father? Speak to our hearts in a way that only we could hear Father and give us the courage to obey. Father, we say to you, Father, our hope is in you and you alone. We have no hope apart from you. Father, because we are your children, Father, we want to proclaim we are the children Of the living God. The God who loves us. The God who longs to provide for us. More than we could ask or imagine. So Father, we hold on to you. Heal us. Free us. Set us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: You unravel me with a melody, you surround me with a song of deliverance from my end.